Do you own a small firm? Or if you don't own a firm, would you like to start one? Paget gives firm owners all the benefits of owning a small firm, plus the backing, playbook, and confidence that comes with being backed by a large firm. Stay tuned to hear more about Paget later in the episode. If you'd like to earn CPE credit for listening to this episode, visit earmarkcpe.com. Download the app, take a short quiz, and get your CPE certificate. Continuing education has never been so easy. And now, on to the episode. Hello, everybody. It's Roger and Annie. It's the Federal Tax Updates Podcast. It's 2024. Annie, how are you today? I'm doing pretty good. Tax season kicked off, so um, I think everyone is certainly busy. A lot going on. Um, New year, new tax season, but we're here. We're here. New set of challenges. Absolutely. Um, we're going to, I guess what we're talking, first of all, what we're going to talk about today, the IRS has nothing to do with. So That is true. Uh, don't get mad at them. They've got nothing <laughs> to do with it. Uh, it's an issue that we've talked about, but it's actually in place as we record. Now, we don't record these the day that you hear them. see them so, so or hear them. There's potentially something could change. But as we record this, the benef- Beneficial Ownership Interest Reporting started January 1st of 2024. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's in place. It's a law. It's there to be uh, complied with. Mm-hmm. There's still a lot of questions and who does it cover and why and why are we doing this and how do we do this and should we do this and all those questions. And so we're going to Talk a little bit about what the rules are in case you, because there's still, I think, Annie, you correct me if you think I'm wrong. I still think there's a huge lack of understanding or awareness oh, about this. I think there's a huge information gap. Um, it, it And it's been around like this, this legislation is not something that was pulled together right at the end of the year or anything. It's been around since I think 2020. 2021 or something. And it's just that it does begin in effect um, with the start of the 2024 tax year. And it's been called the new era of disclosure and transparency for businesses. I mean, that that's a bold statement right there. Um, And and unfortunately, it's not just for really large companies. It's going to affect a lot of business owners and they're still barely aware of what's going on. Um, and like you said, this is not part of the IRS. This is something as a result of FinCEN. Um, and we'll go into a little bit about what that is. But just so you know, the goal of this, the, the goal of it um, is geared toward financial crimes and enhancing national security. Um, but it does, like I said, have significant implications for small business owners. So again, it's called the Corporate Transparency Act. Um, that it's commonly you know, CTA, um, which will explore what beneficial ownership information reporting is, the details of it, the timing of it, some exemptions from it, um, and how you file. And you do that through the FinCEN portal. And the portal is open. Um, right. It is, it is open. It, you can do this open. today if you want to. But sit tight. Don't do it yet. Yeah, don't, don't run. <laughs> but listen to us first. Yeah. You may just want to sit tight until the end of the year. But um, but that's what we're here to talk about today. And um, so where do you want to start, Roger? Well, you mentioned it infects small business. In fact, it targets small business. It does. Because uh, 
I think a lot of us, and again, we've we've referenced this before on other podcasts, so we're going to repeat ourselves for those that maybe haven't heard about this or heard the other podcasts. Uh, it is specifically targeting small companies with fewer than 20 employees mm-hmm. and less than $5 million in sales uh, have to report their beneficial owners. And um, the reasoning behind this, as best we can tell, is there must be significant money laundering mm-hmm. happening in the small business community. I'm sure our clients aren't part of it, but uh, that doesn't mean we don't have kind of like we all have to take our shoes off when we go through the airport, even though we're not the ones that would blow up the plane or whatever, you know, right, so right. Uh, we're caught up in it. So it's a small business uh, targeted program. Uh, it covers any small business, like I said, fewer than 20 employees under five million. And there's some exceptions for industries, but don't focus on that. Um, that is set up or registered with your state. So it's primarily our corporations and our LLCs, though if your entity is registered in your state, I don't know if sole proprietor could be registered in some states. You know, mm-hmm. if you're covered, if your state regulates you and registers you. So if that's the case, which it sounds simple enough, you have to report your beneficial owners to FinCEN on an online form through their portal. So, yep. Annie, that's so simple. I was why about to say, you make, it, you make it sound so simple. Why, why, why is this such a big deal if that's all that it requires? Well, like you said, corporations, LLCs, all entities formed under state law um, or similar ones formed, formed under foreign law but registered to do business in the U.S., this does affect them. The problem is it while it took effect in January of 2024, for companies who have been in existence prior to that, you have until the end of the year to file this initial report. But if you start a business uh, on January 1st or any time afterwards, that initial report is due within 90 days. If something changes, I don't know, a beneficial owner gets married, moves, um, duties in the business are reallocated. Now someone else has substantial control or decision, decision-making um, powers, <clears throat> then that report needs to be updated within 30 days. I don't know about you, but my clients don't talk to me about significant changes in the ownership structure or what's going on with their, their so-called beneficial owners within a 30-day timeframe. So the, the timing and the reporting is one problem. The second problem I think you hit on, Roger, penalties are high. Mm-hmm. It's $500 a day. There's even criminal imprisonment um, associated with this. So the stakes are high. The reporting timeline is, is not very friendly, shall I say. Right. Um, and we already mentioned there's a huge information gap. So there are so many small business owners who have no idea what this is and don't even know that they have a filing requirement. Um, so that those are just three things that I can list off the top of my head of why this is something we're talking about today and why it's really important for you to start talking to your clients about it. Yeah. And it's like a lot of things. It's that on the surface, as I tried to do, you can make it sound like it's so simple, mm-hmm. but you get into it and you alluded to it. You know, there's some things that are black and white. If you own 25% or more of a company, 
you're a beneficial owner by definition. Mm-hmm. So your information has to be disclosed. And he also referred to uh, decision-making authority, banking authority, hiring and firing authority. So you could theoretically move into the definition of beneficial owner with act- with really no actual ownership, meaning you don't mm-hmm. own 1% or anything of the company, but because you have these powers, you are considered a beneficial owner and you too must be disclosed. So, you know, that gets into, which I guess is there because they, a lot of this fraudulent activity or money laundering activity, they're putting a shell person out front, right. the, the real decision makers in the background. Mm-hmm. So I get that. But what about a spouse who may not be an owner, but is very influential in mm-hmm. the decisions that the company makes or a key the employee term. or something yeah, like the, that. The definition of substantial control is fairly gray in my opinion. I mean, there's a lot of facts and circumstances that come into play here. There's even um, a concern that let's say uh, an attorney or someone sets up this entity, the, the one who files the documents that created the entity must be reported. It could be a paralegal or another staff of an attorney and that they would have to have their information reported. Well, geez. Yeah. <laughs> could so, be so, us. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so you start with, it's not as black and white as it seems. Just because right. they call beneficial owners, it's not just affecting people who have a formal ownership in the entity. So we have to we have to understand that. And remember, this is new, so we have no history. We have no definitions, no court cases, no audit history. We have nothing to look back on, on mm-hmm. how a certain set of facts or circumstances could be interpreted. So we're, we're doing this with no no history. So so the initial report, you go online, you go to the FinCEN website, you you put some basic information in, name, mm-hmm. address, business, ID number, all that. And okay, I'm gonna say Annie Schwab owns 50%. So we clearly have to put Annie in there and Joe Smith over here owns the other 50%. So we gotta put them in there. But we also have to attach some documentation proving, I guess, that Andy Schwab exists. Right. So You need my driver's license. Right. So so you got to upload Annie's driver's license in addition to putting all of Annie's information in. So let's mm-hmm. go back. So we've got to do that sometime if this business was started in 2024 or earlier. 2020. Before 2024. So, correct. Before the 1st of 2024. Yeah, so if it was in business prior to 2024, we have all year to do what we just talked about. We've got to fill the form out, list Annie, and send her driver's license. Mm-hmm. How hard can that be? Right? Piece you make of cake. it sound simple, Roger. <laughs> right. Piece of cake. Well, Annie, does your driver's license ever expire? It sure does. And how long is your driver's license you're in Texas. How long? I'm in Texas. Here? I don't. Yeah, my, mine goes for 10 years. But regardless, if okay. let's say I lose my driver's license. Right. Or and I get married and I change my name or divorced and change or my move. name. Or move. Or move. My, my address has changed. My official name has changed. The identification, my driver's license number has probably changed. 
Now you have 30 days to go in and up into log back into the portal and update that information. Right. Now, so there's the, so yes, the initial filing in and of itself is not the real problem, though there are some concerns and we'll talk to them about determinations when it's not black and white and making mm-hmm. legal determinations of whether the duties that let's say Annie has an employee who they have delegated certain banking authority to. Now, are we qualified legally to make a determination if the d- duties that we that Annie delegated to that employee fall under the definition of the Corporate Transparency Act of 2020? Most of us that are in this profession are not lawyers in addition to being tax preparers, accountants, whatever you want to call Mm -hmm. us. So one of the challenges that we face here is are we prepared from a qualifying or risk position able to make determinations like that? And should we? So I know the AICPA, yeah, the AICPA came out and said that making that determination is interpreting the law, which should only be done by an attorney. So there's, you know, and and with the risk associated with the maximum penalties and fines and imprisonment, I mean, does your ENO insurance cover that? I'm not sure. I really want to have my name listed on on any of these. or give advice to someone that, mm-hmm. that that I come in and advise you that that employee that we're talking about doesn't need to be disclosed. Mm-hmm. Because in my vast legal experience, which is none, <laughs> I have determined that what you've told me that person does, does not apply the way the law is written. So I don't disclose that person. And then I don't know how you get audited by FinCEN. I don't know how this... But then Vincent come in, comes in and determines that it sh- he should have been reported, and now you're subject to these penalties. So uh, we have to think, first of all, uh, clearly we're probably not qualified to give a lot of the advice when there are questions, let's say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if it's not black and white, you should probably just step away. <laughs> yeah. Now... And like anything else, when you take on a service, and I think we have to step back and say, if we have small businesses as clients, they come to us for damn near everything. (laughs) And we are their primary advisor for almost everything. So we somewhat feel an obligation to try to help them with this. Uh, Because again, on the surface, how hard can it be? All I have to do is go online, type in a bunch of names, social security numbers, upload some driver's licenses, and then forget about it until Annie's driver's license changes or until you decide to give somebody else duties that they should or shouldn't uh, have had. Or we didn't give you the right advice to, to determine if that key employee needed to be disclosed. And so did we price our services to uh, make it worth taking the risk? Because I think one of the dangers that we're going to run into this is we're going to base this on how long it took me to type it into a website mm-hmm. in term, but not price in the risk that we assumed by typing it into that website. Well, and the initial report, like you said, might only take you a few minutes, but it's the tracking and the 
communication that you have to have with the clients to know if something needs to be changed or amended or revised or or any or anything and so so that's a burden on the business owners they need to create internal procedures or policies so that they know who these beneficial owners are and if anything changes and then they need to let it let whoever's handling the reports do this and so i mean it's a lot of um like I said, burden on the business owners and also a burden on the accountants. You know, they're coming to us and we want to help them and we can explain the law to them, but should we be doing it? Um, right. I will say if you're if you're not an attorney and you are assisting clients with setting up entities or business formation services, I would take a second look at that and see if if that's something you want to continue to do, because technically you will be listed as a you know, as a beneficial owner, um, and well, you're, you may you're the reporting work. agent of the of entity, the yeah. of the reporting company, or whatever their terms are. You'll be listed at that's right. You'll be re- listed as the reporting agent, and you may disengage this client. You know, next year or the year after. How do you get yourself unassociated with the client right. at that point? So there's a there are some questions still out there. Um, the FinCED website did put out uh, like some FAQs and then a guide. And within the guide, there are some, you know, visuals with, you know, if this kind of chart, this is what you have to do. Um, I feel as though they, they tried and they did provide some level of FAQs and clarification. But like you said, I just, I don't think it's going to uh, be enough for people to fully understand obligations, who needs to be listed, how to make the changes. Um, I think it's. Uh, yeah. And, and the, the, there's a problem with the, the law. And, you know, I don't know that anybody, whether it's an attorney or an accountant or whoever, is really set up to, to monitor these kinds of changes in the time frame that the law 30 requires. Days. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, I mean, we'll talk in a minute about what we're advising our pageant offices to do right now, but they're they're giving an opinion here now. There there are some flaws in the law um, uh, that just don't work in the real world. Because first of all, small business owners have the least amount of resources internally to worry about legal and accounting stuff. That's why they hire us. Mm-hmm. So you're you first of all, you've passed a law that impacts the people with the least resources to comply with it. You've put unreasonable time frames into the law, 30 days, and you're asking people to track things that none of their advisors and them have ever had to worry about from a compliance or legal standpoint before, like driver's license numbers and home addresses and things like that. So it, it's, it's set up to fail. Now, the problem is failing might mean that a lot of small business owners get huge penalties because they either didn't know about the law and ignored it or couldn't comply with it. Yeah, I think the lack of compliance is going to be because they don't know what to do. um, I think that's going to be really high. And so here we are in the accounting and tax profession who have been the primary advisors to these people, something like this let's say if it was an annual part of filing a tax return, like the fence in, you know, for foreign bank accounts, right. Bank accounts and stuff. We've, we've dealt with that as routine as part of our tax prep services for years. Mm 
Yeah. Uh, so it's not that we can't help with fence-in requirements, but it has to fit into a relationship and a business model and the type of information that you know would be normally helped with. But we don't get to deal with this every thirty days. So mm-hmm. there, there's some problems we see with the law. And we're not the only ones. You mentioned AICPA. There's been coalitions and there's been a lot of uh, advisors to small businesses who have been trying to to bring this to FinCEN's attention. But as of right now, the law has gone into effect. The rules are what the rules are. And we have no guarantee that we'll get changes or we'll, we'll get somebody to finally say, wait a minute, this doesn't work the way it's written in the real world. So, uh, but that's our hope. And because we have all year before we have to do it, in other words, we could literally play this out till December 31st of 2024 and do them all. You know, for the businesses that were that were in, in place prior to 2024. Prior to 2024. Yeah, you could. You could wait till December and maybe there'll be additional guidance, tips, tricks. Maybe there'll be, who knows, an extension. Maybe there'll be um, some case scenarios or something that would simplify the process. Hi, I'm Jeff Phillips, CEO of Paget. We've been helping firm owners grow the right way for over 50 years by providing marketing, technology, and of course, tax support. It's like hiring another 20 people who help you run your firm, but for a tiny fraction of the cost. And if you like this podcast, remember that these are two of the national team leaders at Paget that exist to support Paget firm owners. So to learn more, visit pagetadvisors.com slash podcast or pagetadvisors.com slash podcast now let's get back to my colleagues Roger and Annie for the federal tax updates. So given that, what what advice are we giving to our pageant offices of what we should do right now? Uh, well, the first thing you need to do is start the communication. They have to be aware that they are subject to this. Um, I don't think the filing is... Um, like you said, I, I think waiting until, you know, towards the end of the year and see how some of this plays out. But I do think talking to your clients, notifying them, communicating to them um, what this is and what this means and what it could potentially mean from that for them in the future. Yeah, because th- there's already companies out there today oh, yeah. offering, you know, services like, you know, again, there's companies that will do everything for money and there's out there and I've seen everything from a one t- the first fee for filing the first one and then a monthly monitoring fee and all mm-hmm. these sorts of things. So I think, <clears throat> first of all, we need to make sure the clients hear about it from us first. Because, and get accurate information. Right. Because if they don't, then they're going to hear about it from somebody else and they're going to come to you and say, why didn't you tell me? And they're going to think you don't know anything about it. Mm-hmm. So I think what we're advising our offices to do is take this opportunity during the filing season when mm-hmm. you're hopefully interacting with all your small business clients that are covered by this to bring them aware of what this rule is and what the penalties are and what the reasons behind it are and why it's not Timing. as simple as it seems. Yeah. So that you're the information. So we can really work on solving that lack of awareness. Gap. Yes. Yes. And, 
what we're telling people is we're going to take the rest of 2024 with the help of other associations, attorneys, all kinds of people to, to try to develop a strategy that balances helping our clients with protecting us. And we are also <clears throat> letting our, you know, asking our office owners, if you were in the practice of helping people set up companies, stop, stop, for, stop and wait, um, send them to an attorney, um, let them know um, that there's a lot of risk associated with doing that. And as of right now, that's something that they can, we can no longer do. Because I, I think we're all assuming, and I think it's probably, a, hopefully the right assumption is that attorneys that are aware of this uh, will make this part of what they normally do when they set up, say, an LLC or a corporation. Right. You know, in many instances, they'll obviously do the legal work with the state. They'll maybe get them a federal ID number, may even, if it's an uh, S-Corp election is necessary, that they'll do that, mm -hmm. that they'll also take on this beneficial ownership as part of that initial setup of the company. And they are qualified to make any legal determinations right. about that mystery employee that Annie's got back there that <laughs> we're trying to figure out whether we need to disclose them or not. Right. So again, that will take the burden of that initial filing for new businesses off of our plate. Unless you want to do that, then you know, you're stepping right into it um, because, again, it's the law is currently in place. So we're telling our folks, as Annie said, don't do that. Send them to attorney and tell them to make sure when the attorney uh, they select knows what beneficial ownership interest is and they will do the immediate mm -hmm. initial filing. Now, Annie, does that solve the update problem? <laughs> Definitely not. There's still that 30-day threshold for making updates. Um, we, I don't know if that'll get extended. I don't know if there'll be leniencies with that, but someone is going to have to be monitoring um, on a very, very monthly basis and making changes according to the law as it's written. Yeah. And, and here's an example of one of the problems we have. All these penalties that we talk about if you read it, it talks about intentional disregard. Now, what does that mean? We we don't have, you know, and FinCEN says, well, we, you know, we understand it's new. We're going to be lenient. Okay, what does that mean? Does How that long mean? are you going to be lenient? <laughs> you know, so if if you do it in 45 days instead of 30, is that intentional disregard? Is that an accident? What's the penalty for an accident versus intentional dis? We just yeah. have no history to rely mm -hmm. on. So we have to assume, unless you want to trust the government, there's a, something that I'm sure all of us are, you know, that because somebody goes on a webinar and says, well, we recognize this is new and it's confusing and that, so we're going to be lenient. Well, okay, great. Now, do I record this and play it to whoever comes out and tells me I owe $5,000 that this person? So we just don't have anything to rely on from FinCEN about this. So, yeah, we still, even if we delegate that setup to that attorney, the who's responsible for changes? So 
the the one thing that and we're engaged with our attorney. We, we and I have a meeting with him in a week or so. We're continuing to try to find the right balance of us helping our clients, but protecting us from a liability standpoint, and at the same time charging appropriately for whatever risk we are going to have to assume. Mm-hmm. And, and and again, we've been told clearly: do not give advice because mm-hmm. you're not necessarily qualified. And secondly, uh, be very careful about leaving any doubt as to whose responsibility changes are. That if a driver's license does change, that is the 100% responsibility of the client to tell us for us to make the change. Again, that sounds simple. Well, what if you have... How do you put that burden people. on the client? Yeah, I mean, how do you do that in such a way that the client fully understands and some other lawyer won't say you accepted more responsibility than you tried mm-hmm. to tell the client? And, you know, so it's 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 going to be a challenging year when it comes to this law because everything seems simple until you have to think through it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why we got I'm, it. We got it. <laughs> Because yeah. to bureaucrats, this seems simple. Yep. I, I, I'm putting my thing, I'm crossing my fingers that AICPA can work with Vincent and some of the other organizations and, and come to some understanding of why it's not so easy. And then, of course, provide guidance. So that- Like I said, it's just, in my opinion, it's just not workable. And, and again, we're talking about the smallest of small businesses. We're talking about the landscaper with an LLC that yeah. goes out in lawn maintenance, I should say, cuts grass. That first of all, they know about this. That they have any idea, you know, who their officers or their members of their LLC are. I mean, how many of our people don't even know, you know, if, if they're incorporated, who the secretary of their corporation is, or because because there's also designated officers that have to be reported whether oh, they're course. owners yeah. or not. So and and then would ever think that the secretary of their company, who happened to be somebody they knew when they formed the corporation, that they may not even see every once in a while. And the reason I ask Annie about how long does her driver's license, you know, we're probably all going to have very sensitive uh, and be very aware of what we're supposed to do this year. But Annie, you said your driver's license is for how many years? I think I'm 10. Okay, so you're gonna so ten years from now, we're gonna be as sensitive to the fact that your driver's license changed as we are today. And when you go, you're probably just gonna go, and whether you have to go in person or online, you're gonna update your driver's license. And by then, you've moved and you got a new address. Is it ever gonna come to your mind that you have a FinCEN reporting requirement? <laughs> I can't imagine that it would. <laughs> it, it never has before. So I mean, we just gotta hope that over the next, well, 11 or 12 months, yeah. that we can get some some reasonableness and some changes made to this. Because I, I think I speak for, I know I speak for our pageant offices, and I think I speak for almost everybody out there. We would like to help our clients with this. Oh, yeah. But we we have to do what's right for us. So, Annie, why don't you summarize again? What is the advice we're telling? And we're not telling you to do this. You do what you want to do, but I'm, we'll tell you what we have told our pageant offices. 
But and, and it's going to be an ongoing bit of advice because yeah. the more we learn, the, our advice may change. But Annie, summarize what we're telling our offices today they should do as it relates to the beneficial ownership reporting and, and serving their clients. Yes, I think the most important thing that we can do now is to educate, talk to our clients, inform them of what it is, what it means, um, why it's there, <clears throat> especially take advantage during tax season when maybe you're talking to uh, the majority of them or seeing them in person, um, even client, uh, you know, sending out a client letter, you know, advising them of, of this new reporting requirement, um, making sure that they know that you are looking out for them and that you're following any updates and that they will get back to you. Um, also let them know like, yes, it, it's effective January 1, meaning the, the portal is open, you can file the reports, but they do have some time to figure out when and how and who should be reported. Let them know that it's something that you can assist them with towards the end of the year. I think by then, hopefully we will have some more information. Um, and then, like I said earlier, if you know a client comes to you requesting your assistance with the formation of an LLC or, or a new entity, take a moment and explain to them. Just don't say, oh, I can't do it. Take a moment and explain to them the ramifications of doing that could be on you um, and perhaps have them go to an attorney. So maybe have a, a referral attorney that you have that you can send your clients to um, for formation um, issues. Yeah. Yeah. And, and every call I've been on, every meeting I've been on as it relates to this with other people in our profession, we're all trying to find a way to help. Mm -hmm. But again, we have to be smart about it. And, and, and time right now is, is our ally. We yeah. have time to, to, to state our case, to, to talk to the powers that be and to try to find uh, a, a middle ground, if you will, where we can do some maybe all of this for our clients, but um, we're not there yet. And we're going to have to take a, take advantage of our uh, year to, to see what we can do. There is one occasion that you know, it's going to come up to you that I'm going to tell you that we have also advised our clients. They may go to an attorney to set up an LLC who may not be knowledgeable of this because, again, this lack of understanding is not reserved to just the small business community. Oh, sure. It exists in the tax practitioner community and in the legal community. Absolutely. So they may have gone to an attorney, set up an LLC um, in January, and then they show up in your office in June and want you to help them do their accounting, set up their business, whatever the case may be, and now you're outside the 90 days and they're in violation of fencing. That conversation's gonna... not going to go well. <laughs> <laughs> no. And and what can we do at that point, Annie? Right, exactly. They're going to be one-off situations that we just don't have the answers for yet. Right. So um, we're going to have to send them back to that attorney mm -hmm. who, uh, remember, the attorney made the initial mistake of not doing the form uh, or not submitting the information on formation and we don't have any idea what how you get about a, you know once you submit it and you put dates in there and you i don't know about i've never even seen a penalty from fencing for anything like i mean i don't mm -hmm. even know what they would tell you so we're, we're saying send them back to where the problem started don't try to be the so solution, solution maker yeah. unless yeah. and until we get some ideas of what you know that's going to happen 
and there'll be somebody and we'll eventually see, oh, this is how it happened. This was the case. This is what you do. But until we have that, go back to the person who mm -hmm. created the original sin. <laughs> you know, yeah, right. don't try to be a hero. And we'll be bringing information as we get it too. So, you know, continue yeah. to listen to our podcast. If something happens tomorrow or next week or next month, um, changes, uh, we'll, we'll definitely be communicating that. For something that no, well, I don't want to say nobody knows about, but for something that such a small percentage of the community knows about, there's a lot of discussion going on about yeah, it in the, in the background. And, and, and I just, maybe I'm too much of an optimist, but I have to believe that somewhere during the year, there, there's going to be a realization that we've got to make some changes here to make it work mm -hmm. or just be prepared for massive noncompliance. And I have no idea how FinCEN is going to catch noncompliance, honestly. I mean, I've never seen a FinCEN auditor, so I don't know if there yeah, are such an animal. I don't know. Maybe there is. Maybe there isn't. So, you know, yeah. when does this get caught and what's the penalties and what's intentional versus I didn't know. You know, as I didn't know about Willful. <laughs> Willful. I mean, I'll, so anyhow, yeah. it, it's it's a big topic. It's out there. It started. The law is. is in effect. In effect. Portals so, open. Portal's open, but, you know, I've heard somebody say, well, how hard can it be? It's just a form. Yeah, okay. <laughs> be careful. <laughs> that's why we That's why we need to get awareness, yep. get awareness out there. Any final thoughts on this, Annie, before we'll try um, a couple? No, if, if this is new to you and this is the first time you've heard of it, um, do go to the FinCEN website. Like I said, there's a guide, there's a some FAQs, uh, some visual with like flow charts and stuff. It is worth taking 10 minutes out of your day to um, make sure that you have an understanding of what this is and a full grasp so that when you're talking to your clients, you, you're probably going to get some questions from them. Um, but at least you'll have, you know, a place to go. And then, like I said, we'll, we'll continue to provide any updates that we have on this topic to you through our podcasts. Yeah, we're engaged in the ongoing discussion to try to make this. Mm -hmm. Again, I think we're all trying to find the right place that we can fit in and, and help our clients. But again, we just don't want to take on an undue amount of risk and ultimately responsibility that's that's not there. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right, we're, we're recording this. We're assuming you're listening to this during the middle of tax season, but you may not listen to any podcast till May. We, but, yeah, that's true. That's but true. what other what other advice as we're right in the middle of a filing season would would we leave our listeners with? Today? Well, the season opened um, January 29th, so you're probably been filing returns by this point. Um, and and like you like you know, every tax season comes with um, difficulties, um, stressors. Um, so hopefully you are getting by. Um, because we wouldn't be a podcast if we didn't talk about it, um, let me give you an update on the ERC, the Employee Retention Credit. Um, as of the end of uh, December, we received what was called the Voluntary Program. So if you recall, uh, ERC came as a result of the pandemic. Um, there's been a lot of fraud associated with these claims as there was a lot of money associated. Um, there has been a moratorium placed. Um, on, on processing additional claims. So we've got uh, clients who have legitimate claims sitting in, in a warehouse waiting to be processed. 
We've got claims that have previously been processed, um, and now the uh, taxpayers have a ability to withdraw those claims if they have not cashed the check. Um, and then now at the end of December, we have a voluntary program, which is sort of a way for you to say, hey, I either didn't know or I was fooled or I wasn't sure. And now I changed my mind and I probably didn't qualify for the credit. There's a program that runs through March 22nd where you can repay 80 percent without pen penalties and interest of the claim. You don't have to go amend the, the previous income tax returns. Um, it's a form that you fill out and e-file through an IRS portal. So there are some options associated with ERC claims. Of course, if you're still, if you're eligible, great. If you got your money and it was legitimate claim, wonderful. But if you're running into clients who are questioning the eligibility or who would like to participate in the voluntary program to repay the money they have until March 22nd. So ERC is still around and is still going to affect us mm -hmm. through tax season. Um, so if you're not familiar with that, we did a podcast a couple of weeks ago um, on the ERC, specifically on the voluntary program. So you can find that one um, and, and give it a listen. Yeah, hopefully you, you didn't wait till May to listen because <laughs> you're, right, yeah. you're going to be yeah. a little late. And, yeah. and again, just and again, this is it's hard to know when people listen to this, but as we are recording this, uh, as happens every year, uh, it seems like Congress is uh, trying to wrap up their year in their budget mm -hmm. talks, and there's some talks about some tax changes uh, in, in the horse trading that goes on. I mean, one of the things they're talking about is. Uh, repealing the R&D credit amortization and allowing for expensing in exchange for a change in the tile tax credit. So it's possible we get last minute, which help not last minute anymore, we're already into the yeah, year. But retroactive, we get, probably. We get retroactive tax changes mm -hmm. that we'll all have to deal with, which would make tax season really fun. But um, <laughs> that's the Let's world we live not. in today with a Congress that, that – doesn't get things done until the last minute and the last minute isn't in their mind concerned about the filing season so yeah. we may have to deal with that which always means that the first thing that happens is they pass the law and then we have to wait for our softwares to get modified and deadlines don't go away so nope. uh, could be an interesting tax season or they could do nothing you know that's which has happened before as well. <laughs> yeah. So if you're listening to this in May, you don't care. <laughs> you've already <laughs> Hope lived you had through a good tax season. <laughs> you've already lived through whatever happened. But yeah. uh, if you're listening to this, you know, early in the filing season, pay attention to those discussions. We sometimes we're all frustrated with what happens in Washington. We just I don't care. I'm just going to tune it out. But well, there are things being talked about that could have a major impact on on your business clients or your individual clients for that matter and yeah. Yeah. Uh, your filing season. That's what we're here for. We'll bring you That's all right. the news, <laughs> everything you we, need to know during tax season. Um, but no, If anything happens, we will do a podcast on it, but you have yeah. to listen and you have to get your <laughs> friends to listen. And you have there to get everybody to listen because us talking about it does no good if you don't hear it. Well, Roger, let's get back to work, back to Go tax back. season. Yep. Another tax season started. Have a great one, everyone. Thank you for listening to this Federal Tax Updates podcast. We hope that you enjoy it. We would love to have any comments or suggestions and uh, review it. Rank us. Hopefully good. Um, <laughs> and tell your friends about it and um, take us home, Annie. <laughs>
I think that's it. I know everyone is is busy. Thanks again for listening. Um, and we'll be back uh, next couple of weeks here with some more on the federal tax updates. Thank you, everyone. Right. Bye, everybody. All content from this podcast by Small Biz Pros Incorporated, DBA Paget Business Services, is intended for informational purposes only.